All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of the Yo Yo Show podcast. Thank you for being here. Get yourself ready. Get your wife at hushing. Get your kids out in the yard. Whatever you need to do to tune in to what we got to say and how we got to say it today. But before we get started, we want to make sure that everybody knows that today's episode is sponsored by Duke Traps of West Point. Go out there and Google DukeTraps.com or whatever you want to do. Just know that Duke Traps help us do what we do. Now let's get started. Today we got special guest Bill Duke of Duke Traps, of course, main sponsor of this show. And we got Alan. How do you pronounce your last name? Alan Probst, the trapper man himself. What's the name of your show? North American Trapper. North American Trapper. See, folks, now everybody's got to know that I just don't remember anything. It don't matter. We could hang out for two weeks and I wouldn't even know nothing. So don't take offense to that if you would. But we have flown all the way up here to uh, Kansas. Clay County, Clay Center. Where we at, Bill? Clay Center, Kansas. Clay Center, Kansas. And Mr. Allen is doing some coon trapping and, and whatnot. And that's what we're here for, to kind of show off the, the use of the uh, Duke DP traps and, and whatever other Duke traps, whatever else you plan on trapping up here, Alex. We also have Preston, the pilot, but he chooses not to be uh, heard. He just wants to be listening, as he said, eating his little M&M chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream thing would double the M&Ms, he said. to knock the extra <laughs> 50 cents on the tab over here. <laughs> so anyway, we had a good trip up here. Bill, Bill called me when I was... Uh, a lot of y'all may know or not know at the time, but I killed a big old buck uh, in Mississippi. And, well, I was sitting in the stand watching this buck, deciding if I could, well, shoot that far, and old Bill called. And Bill never calls, so when he calls, you got to answer the phone. So, he, you know, it's, it's got to be something important, especially when he's calling such important people like myself. Anyway, Bill said, I don't know if I want to fly up there to Kansas for a day and get with Mr. Allen and carry on with some cone trapping. And I said, well, yeah, I think I can make that work. Long my wife says it's okay. And uh, here we are. But now, he, I knew the plane that you had, Bill, and he had like a crop duster. And I thought the way he said it was when he said, I got a professional pilot, because Bill, you fly. I do fly. Yeah. And he said, I got a professional pilot. I was really thinking we was going to be in like a private jet. We're not that prosperous around here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I showed up and I went, is that our plane? He said, no. And then I come around the corner and he said, that's our plane. <laughs> Man, we do have a little bonanza. Y'all call it a bonanza. A lot, a lot of people on social media, when I showed the plane, said that's a good plane. It's a really nice plane. I mean, it gets us around where we need to go really, really fast. Uh, we Yeah, we were cruising pretty Yeah, good. yeah. 200 miles, 180 miles an hour. Had me sitting back there with a, uh, I mean, I thought it had a bathroom in it, but it didn't. Bill said, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear in the bathroom back there, son. <laughs> So anyway, we got here. We had to make one stop and then puddle hopped on over here. But, uh, man, it was it was a nice little trip. And I appreciate you inviting me out here, Bill. Uh, it's been my pleasure. I, it's, uh, it just seemed like like the perfect trip uh, to go on. Everybody wanted to uh, wanted to go out there. And and uh, you, were the, you were the great guy to go with us. Yeah, yeah. We're in a nice place here. And like I said, have Alan. Alan did all the work, Mr. Alan. I'm glad you could do all that prep work. All that we got work before you get here. <laughs> he just set all the Duke DPs out, the coon traps and, and whatnot. And all we had to do was when we got here, just just kind of film and watch him do his thing. And and uh, and you, you did a fine job. And not only like the, today, we didn't just have a, a great check. This is just first day. And like you 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 said, same way with hog trapping. I always say night three on catching hogs, we're catching a sound or a hog. It's kind of that way as well with, with, with other kind of trapping in that instance, don't you think? Well, when I, you know, yeah, it's hit or miss. So, I mean, we were on some really good sign. I put, what did we put in? 50, I think 54 traps yesterday. Before you got here, you guys flew in about noon. Um, we went out and put out about another 60, 62, 64 traps earlier. So we got 115, 120 working sets. We had 54 sets out. We were on sign. Now, normally when I go into an area, uh, I would normally just put three or four dog proofs in a certain area we only set five areas we checked five areas today we had six um, right. the thing is they have some cameras where they've been on the deer feeders and they've had 20 25 coons coming into a feeder in one picture and i'm like well i better load these up and we went to that first place this morning 
And we had one raccoon where they had 25 on the camera. And I had right. I put 10 traps around there. And, you know, I paid attention to the coon um, traffic. We were on the trails. Uh, I actually, the corn bow was not touched last night. So they, right. they just didn't come by. Now, tonight, we may go back there tomorrow and have six or seven. So it's one of those things. Uh, I did get down to 20, I think 21 degrees last night, 21, 22. That starts to shut the raccoons down a little bit to where they're not going to travel as much. Um, you know, we're in the middle of December right now. Uh, they're fattened up to where they're getting to the point where they're going to be kind of locking down the females, the young ones. You'll right. So what do you, what do you mean when you say locking down for the, for the viewers? I mean, other than well, they're going to lock down into a general area and, and kind of not hibernate. They don't hibernate, but they slow down a lot. Right. They, they've right. gotten their food in them. It's not hard here in Kansas. <laughs> when they're out there on a, you know, 500-pound pile of deer feed every night, they right. fatten up quickly. Now, from this point forward, from now through mid-January, late January, you're going to catch fewer animals, but you're going to catch a lot bigger animals when it comes to the raccoon because the males are on the move. They're looking, it's coming into breeding season, they're looking for mates. So you're going to catch animals, it's just, are you going to have 25 congregating at a deer feeder? Probably not. Uh, uh, the best time yeah. to be here uh, doing that would be the first part of the season when it's they're still fatted up, which is a month ago. But, you know, hey, we went out today. We had 54 traps. I think we got six, which is 11, 12 percent. Yeah. If if I continue the time I'm here, five, six days, we're going to have 200, 225 traps in the ground at 10 percent. 11%. We're going to, by the time we get the full line in, we're going to catch 20, 25, 30 raccoons a day. And that, those areas that we went today and we caught six, I think tomorrow we go back in just those areas, not even counting the areas where we put new tracks in the ground today. I think we'll just catch as many, if not more, tomorrow because it's okay. only supposed to get down to about 30, 31 degrees tonight. So, you know, that plays a factor, but we're on, I mean, you guys were out there. You saw all the trails. I mean, they're oh goodness. I mean, be down. There was, there were some places that literally you just see nothing but coon track, a trail in the dirt, nothing but coon traps. You had traps all the way up and down it and they, they just, they didn't move or they just didn't came. We went there and uh, there was absolutely nothing. <laughs> and they, and, they, and these, these do DPs, they're the easiest trap set. They're, they're just, you, you know, like I said, if they'd have had this. What year did y'all come out with these, Bill? Gosh, I think it must have been like 2010. I think it was right. 2010. And it was it was coming on to one of the real peak price times of the fur market, like coon prices. Yeah, when they 2012 were, and 13, you were getting 25, 30 bucks for a decent coon back. Yeah, really? yeah. 2013 was the peak, was. the peak year, and it was leading up to that. And... That trap, I mean, I'm not going to take credit for it because we didn't invent it, but uh, but we did um, we did make some changes to uh, to one that was already on the market and and it just put them out in numbers and the um, the trappers at the time, gosh, they couldn't get enough of that trap. I'm telling you, man, and they're just so easy. If you haven't seen what a Duke DP is, it's a dog proof for the name of it, DP, and basically it's like a uh, a piece of PVC pipe, in a sense, with a trigger in the bottom of it. Once they pull the trigger trying to get the bait, their hand gets clamped in it, and it holds them till you get there. And uh, But I'm telling you, it's just so simple compared to way years and years and years and years ago, Alan, you know, when you trap or whatever. Because I've only been at this at about 10 years in general. So uh, that's all I knew. You know, when I first started trapping, literally, we didn't do YouTube, and there was nobody really there was no really nobody training you because of the fur price they didn't want you taking away from what they were getting so i mean i literally thought you'd buy a foothold just say a foothold trap and you find a trail and you literally just wouldn't put that on the trail like i didn't know nothing about covering up you know trying to catch a coyote or a fox or bobcat i didn't know nothing about you know digging out the hole covering the trap you know the same way with the uh i don't guess we had the dps in so it was like how do you you know, we put our cage traps in the woods and, you know, they're a little more expensive than just putting out DPs. And, uh, dude, as far as a far, uh, land management purpose of saving turkey poults and, uh, stuff like that, or getting enough of them off your, your, your land, whether it should be eating your, uh, corn, all your corn, or, or maybe like in Mississippi, we say we can sell the meat. 
and it's a big market for the meat. You know, even if you don't want to sell it, there's enough people in Mississippi that want to eat coon meat. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a great thing. And like I said, it's easy to get kids involved in trapping. It's something they get to come out like the next day. Normally you got something. I mean. Well, that's, uh, you, know, the, you bring that up. That's what I, whenever I speak on trapping, I try and equate that with, if you're going to take a kid um, in the outdoors and you're going to take a kid fishing, you're not going to go out and try and catch, you know, this 20 inch bass or whatever you're going to right. take him. You're going to take him with a Zepco rod and a little bobber and, and a worm. And you're going to go to a pond and catch some pan. So you're going to go catch right, you. sunny, some bluegill, whatever. That's the equivalent in the trapping aspect of things. Uh, the two probably easiest things to trap and easiest things to catch are muskrats and raccoons. Now across the country, there's just not as many muskrats as it used to be, but there's raccoons everywhere. And these DPs, as you said, it makes it like the easiest thing. You you set the trap, you you know, you make sure that you have it staked. Um, you can't have animals running around with traps on the So you stake the trap, you put the trap in the ground, you put your bait in. Um, and we make baits at North Reagan Trapper, but you can catch raccoons on any. You can yeah. catch them on gummy bears, you can catch them on cat food, dog food, all these different things. Um yep. I tell people all the time when people when people ask because it's simple to us. Coon trapping is simple. I mean, it really is. And I tell people that they, they overthink it sometimes. What bait? What this and that? I say, if if you had a rubber band and it was staked down in the woods, coon would catch itself. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. They just got to be able to, to mess with it. And once they mess with it, you know, it, you're going to catch coon. You're going to catch them as long as you... Uh are on the sign and that's the biggest thing with any trapping whether you're hog trapping with what you right. do or you're out trapping coyotes or you're trapping bobcats or you're trapping muskrats or it doesn't matter what you're trapping mm. they got to be there you're not going to be there right there so you got to trap on sign if you're sitting on raccoon sign other than that trail today with right. looked like a supernatural highway and yeah. we had i had you remember that but there was all them little evergreens and i had them lined up down the row you could see like five or six traps right down and i'm like yeah we yeah. didn't catch anything i could just i mean if, if it was anywhere if you saw it even if you knew nothing about it but you knew what a coon trap i mean a coon track looked like you'd be like this is the highway where i want Let, we're gonna put it and i would have put every one of them That's there i did and i went back yeah. and we didn't have any there we yeah. had six other uh, ones other places but that one where i thought was my, my best chance right. to catch any kiddos today was nothing yeah, sometimes we got to be humble, but uh, it, it's, it's simple. And we're doing this for a land management purpose, as or, or you're doing it for land management purpose on this deal. And like I said, back home, people use them for meat, use them for fur as well. You, you, you're using the fur, whatnot, even though our fur market's, I guess, not as high as it used to be. But I always tell a story, and I don't know if y'all heard it, and uh, and they've heard it before on my podcast, and I tell a story when I go do events. But I want to tell you a little bit about how I became a coon trapper instead of a coon hunter. Now, see, I moved out when I was 16 years old. My daddy, he didn't kick me out. I told him, I said, I'm, I'm be a man. I can make it. He said, well, I'll tell you what, son. He was the kind of person that lets you fail on your own so you learn. Well, my daddy said, I'll tell you what, you stay out of trouble and you go to school every day. He said, I'll let you live on your own. You break one of them, you're done. You're coming back home. Like I said, what a problem. I just, 16-year-old kid with a little ego thought, you know, I just ain't going to live with no rules, basically. But he gave me two rules. Well, the thing was, back then, you could go down there to Bill's place, down there at Duke Traps, and you you could sell them green hides. I think back then, it, so I graduated in 98, so I'd have been around 96. Okay, I think the coon high was around 810. I might be wrong on that, but I think it was close to around 8-ish, maybe, for a green high. And then we could take that same coon and sell that same meat for 5 to 8, depending on who the, who the client was, you know, especially around Thanksgiving and Super Bowl. You know, you get a Christmas Super Bowl, you get a higher price. Everybody wants for the dishes, you know. But what we had was we had a John boat. And every night we would get an old Tibby Creek down there, Bill. <laughs> and that Tibby Creek bridge only had one lane on it. Two cars couldn't cross on the same, so you had to wait on one another. You know, flash your lights or beep, beep your horn, who's going to go first, go across the bridge. Well, we live right there close, close to it. Well, at nighttime, we get out of school. I worked a little low tobacco shed, so I'd get off work about 10 o'clock. Get off work, we'd go home. My other buddy, he'd get off same time. He worked a little tobacco shed, grocery store, whatever, too. So he got home, my cousin. And the guy we was living with, he was out of school. 
And like I said, we lived in a three-bedroom trailer down in Tibby Bottom. We had a John boat. We'd go down there at night. We'd spot like them coons. We'd ride down the creek. <laughs> be easing down there, and you'd spot old coon laid up on a limb over the water. And you'd slide. You'd go up under there, and you'd get right up on him, Alan. Shine that light on. <clears throat> and that coon just fall down in the boat. Miss down. <laughs> Take off. Be shining that light. Next thing you know, you see one on the other side of the creek. Pull up on him. Shine that light. Pow, boom. Right in the boat. <laughs> on you go. Well, I was a light guy, see. They didn't let me operate the boat, and they didn't let me shoot the gun for obvious reasons. So we get there. I said, man, let me shoot that cone this time. Next time we get up. He said, all right. It was my gun. You know, I had a scope on it. It was my gun, but they just didn't like me shooting. So we go up there, and big old cone laid up on a limb because just shining at the light. So we pulled right up on him. He wasn't, he was about 30, I don't know if he was 30 feet, but it's just a pretty good chunk. And I pulled up on him. Now we're in the creek. They shine that light. I see him. And he's going, shoot the cone, man. I said, I'm trying to shoot the cone. The cone ain't falling. And about that time, Alan, I could see that that cone I was aiming at, the limb started shaking. And, the, and as the limb started bending over and over, see, I was aiming right up under the cone, but I was taking out the limb instead of the cone. And about that time, through, I could see through the scope, and that light had him. And all you seen was this big boar cone come flying out of the tree. Wow. I could see him coming right down through the scope, man. I'm telling you, you know how bad a boar cone can be? Well, his other end looked just as bad. And that song I fell right in the boat. And all that coon wanted to do was get out of the boat. But we had three dummies, and that wasn't smart enough to let him. But I still had the gun. And did you know, if you go fast enough in a boat, that the water won't come in the holes as much? <laughs> I just shot six shots in the bottom of that boat trying to get that coon off of me. And as we was headed back to, to, the, to the boat ramp, or to the edge of Tippy Creek, there's a little slough, and you shoot up in there, and as we was coming up there, cousin, they was calling me everything but my name, David. Cause I didn't shot the bottom of the boat. Cause I was coming up there and do. Next thing I know, I saw blue lights. It was red lights. I mean, they done caught the ambulance and they knew somebody was gonna get hurt. Game wards up there, and they was hollering, "Pull over, Mississippi Department, you know whatever they are." And he shined that bright light on us. And the only thing I was thinking of, see, it, 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 I didn't know. Well, I didn't know it at the time. That's not the legal way to get coon. And. uh, We'd have done this several times, so I guess somebody finally called in on us. And all I could think of, Alan, was they was hitting me with that spotlight, and I couldn't see nothing. So if I could, if I couldn't see nothing, they can't see nothing. And I hit it with that spotlight, and I said, "Hit him, us!" <laughs> we went in front of that bridge, and I hit them back with that flashlight. We took off. So anyway, my daddy come get me out of the sheriff's department. That's the night I went home, and that's the right I realized that I wasn't going to be no coon hunter. <laughs> I'm going to be a coon trapper. <laughs> that's so, pretty good. So actually, uh, that's how I become a coon trapper and realized I didn't. So every time somebody asks me about coon trapping, uh, coon hunting, I tell them, I don't want none of that, man. Last time I got one, I went to jail, my daddy beat the brakes off of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh. And I always went to school, though. And I, I dang sure went to school every day after that. So, And we didn't get to coon hunt no more. But but a lot of people, like I said, trapping can be a uh, controversial, you know, conversational piece or thing on the Internet. I mean, I, yes. And, 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 and a lot of people just don't understand it. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of get rude with them sometimes, you know. I mean, a lady on Facebook today, we was talking about, I post a picture of us coons, and she's like, you know, my daddy, always, this is some lady, you know, she's a fan, but I mean, she's got an opinion. And she's like, my daddy told me, uh, don't kill it if you ain't going to eat it. And I told her, I said, well, my daddy told me don't listen to nobody but my mama, my grandmama, and my wife. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to listen to you. <laughs> you know, but it's just a lot of people, I think a lot of people just don't understand it. And I think we've got soft over the years in a sense of what we think is humane or not humane, you know, and. Oh, uh, trapping's come a long way. I, I always tell people, this ain't your granddaddy's trap no more. You know, it's uh, we have a live market for coyotes in, in Mississippi. One of those requirements is you can't have bad feet. You know, so Duke has a pro series that basically it's just holds you. I mean, it's got a little slant to it when it closes, but I mean, after that, uh, it's just it's just a, 
Yeah, it's pair of handcuffs. Some of the easiest easiest traps on the animal you'll ever have for a foot trap. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we sell them to a lot well, market. So, I, me personally, yeah. I, I personally, I don't have a problem with somebody else killing gray fox. Hey, you're legally out there trapping fox. You want to kill that gray fox? That's fine. Me personally, they're my favorite animal. I won't kill a gray fox. Every gray fox I catch in a trap, I let go. And oh, right. I only trap on catch, chicken. I catch every one of them with a Duke 550. Yeah. And I've shown the camera numerous times when I let them go. I take the foot right to the camera. Yeah, there'll be a little impression there because there is pressure. Yeah. But there's no bones broke. There's no, you know, bleeding cuts and all those different things. Um, they're going to feel it for a day, but that fox is going to be hunting by that night. And you can't do that. With a lot of the traps that were on the market, you know, for years, you can't do that with this, uh, a full jaw, straight jaw trap. They're going to cut the animal. Yeah. And in and, and this day and age through, um, I know Bill was part of it, they did the BMPs, the best management practice. And they tested, you know, trappers from all of North America, Canada, the United States. They tested these devices and gave grades and ratings and all of that. And that's truly what is being used in all of most people's arsenal these days when it comes to trapping. They're using traps that are BMP certified or, or recommended. And the 550 series um, or the Pro series with the 550 to 650, um, Bill's obviously uh, looking to come out with the 450. And, and those traps are very animal friendly. And right. that's the thing that I think is, like you said, people have a misconception that we're heathenistic or out there. We just want to kill, kill, kill. No, it's, it's, it's a lot more about conservation and it's a lot more um, that goes into it than just uh, that. Yeah. Well, they are very friendly to the island. That's right. And like I said, the conservation part of it out here, if you want, we're in Kansas and if you want turkeys, just say the, the turkey population. Well, if you've only got you got 5,000 acres and you only got, say, 25 turkeys on it, but you've got, on that 5,000 acres, you have 600 cones on it. You've got to give these turkeys a chance because they will eat the nest up. They won't all one time. And then I tell people all the time, it ain't just the, the turkey eggs. These coons in the middle of the night will climb a tree when that turkey's roosting and bite that song on in the neck, and he'll have my turkey meal, too. A lot of people think when they find a dead turkey or a pilot by... No, a, coon, a lot of times coons went up a big boar cone or whatever, go up there and snap it, hanging in the neck. So they get to eat 24 7, 365, opportunity wise. And we have a window of time of trapping to give a, uh, a reprieve for turkeys to, to nest and whatnot. So we try to educate them, but there's some people that just can't educate. Uh, they have their feelings about it. And, and there's some things I feel about certain things that other people do in life. And then, you know, I don't want to be educated on it because I'm, I'm like, I just don't believe in it. And, and, uh, we just have to keep doing our thing. What's legal is legal, and uh, just like your that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Try and educate that that we are doing things from a conservation standpoint. There's a big difference between a uh, conservationist and a preservationist, right? And those philosophies, the philosophies do not match. They right. like you know, conservationists is is looking to have a, a full on ecosystem where everything thrives. A preservationist, everything may in your Disney realm is yeah. It may thrive, but that's just not the case. You get way too many overpopulation of some critters. And then, you know, the thing is, is they're not out there watching and seeing dead coons and, and catching coyotes that have no tail in, in 10 degree weather or, or, you know, seeing a whole um, string of rabies or distemper goes through an area and not just take out a couple. It takes out the whole population. And right. trapping, um, just one quick story. Massachusetts outlawed um, beaver trapping pretty much back in the early 2000s. Yes, thought it was a great idea. Thought it was a great idea to, you know, to, let's just outlaw, there's no more beaver trapping. Well, what they didn't consider was is that the trappers of the state were actually controlling that population to where they weren't having that many problems. We're not having many problems. We don't need beaver trapping. This this should be illegal. It's inhumane, humane, or whatever. 
It's an all-one onslaught against Beavers now and has been in Massachusetts because it quickly, within three years, turned into about a 60 to $65 million taxpayer problem where the trees are coming down over um, power lines, where they're damming up roadways and they're washing out the roadways. It turned into a taxpayer nightmare. So now they hire government state trappers to go out and kill everything they can kill. When you had it being done for zero money, you were using the resource on the fair market fur trade. It right. just completely changed in, with everything and the way human expansion is today. You need this because we are moving into more wild areas, the burbs, whatever you want to call it. You're taking away habitat. You're pushing everything into smaller areas. This is what's going to happen. And you have to have that trapper or that person who understands conservation to help the house process. You, you know, Alan, that that's such a such a true thing that you just said. And and the people that are gonna gonna be on the preservationist side, they gonna they're gonna say things like uh, that that support their position. When we all know, if you if you control the animals, you're not you're not eliminating the population. You're controlling the animals. You you hear this kind of argument with the uh, with the wolf preservationist people too. They say, oh, the wolves they're not killing that many deer. They're not killing that many animals. They they just kill a few. When when you've got a problem like that going on, uh, whether it's whether it's turkey population that's uh, that that's under threat, anything you can do helps that. Anything right. you can do to reduce the pressure helps that. Uh, there are things that you can't do. You can't change the weather. You can't make the hatch what it needs to be uh, if the weather's not right. But but the things you can control. That's what we need to be focused on, manage, managing it. That's right. And a lot of people, they always talk about the people that are against it and stuff like that. But if they had a rat infestation in their home, they don't say let nature work itself out. It's okay to kill that rat. Well, this is just a bigger, what do you call it? A bigger platform of, of, of wildlife that I don't even know the right words. You may know of Alan, but I'm just saying they're concerned with just their little bit of home, just their little bit of trailerhood. Well, it's just one or two rats. It's just one or two cockroaches. But all you're concerned about is you're just a little bit of trailerhood there instead of where trappers and, and conservation and stuff like that are worried about the whole platform. Because even the anti-hunters, they, other than putting their money into uh, lawyers and lobbyists and anti-organizations, they don't put the food plots in and they don't, they don't put the stuff in that actually helps. I may kill one deer, but I put in, as far as money-wise, our work-wise, our, our, our food plot-wise, something that helps the whole herd. And trapping is part of that. So I may take one deer or two deer or three, even whatever my limit is, but I help the whole herd off this whole piece of property where the guy that says, I don't believe in hunting, does nothing. Nope, but expects, but expects, especially in Pennsylvania where I live, we, well, it's not just Pennsylvania, it's everywhere across the country. The hunters, the fishermen, the trappers, we all pay for license fees. I'm here, and we just talked about it earlier today. Yeah. 200 and some bucks, almost 300 bucks, which is fine. I have no problem paying that. Am I even going to get $300 worth of raccoon pelts here? Absolutely not. I, I enjoy this. I know I'm doing something special, and I'm also helping out here with Seth and his problem. Right. I'm, I'm here as a, a friend more than a trapper to help him because he wants more turkeys. They are decimated here by me because there's just so many raccoons. So in Pennsylvania, Texas, New York, all the sportsmen pay the fee, the hunting license, the fishing license, the trapping license, all of that. The people that are yelling at us that well, we don't want you to hunt on Sundays because that's the day we want to walk in the woods. Well, they don't have any license that they need to go do that. They're trying to tell the people that are actually paying the money. So there's a real big, you know, just hypocritical value to that. There's there's no way to other, there's no sugarcoat to it. That's that's somebody being a hypocrite, saying that they are in control of something where they do not put one dime into the aspect of that conservation. Right. And 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 all 
and they get all the reward of it. Just because you don't tote a trap or tote a, a tote a gun or an orange vest to be able to, to hunt that piece of property, they get all the reward because their reward is they just want to be in nature. Our reward is we want to hunt and be in nature and they put nothing towards it. So if it wasn't for what we put into it, we wouldn't have the resources like the, the law officers or whatever to make sure that people are doing right or the, the, the people, the resources for people to be there just if they fell out a mountain and broke their leg. You ain't got the resources of people that would be hired without the money that we put in. Perfect, if you're, perfect example of what you're talking about is the National Wild Turkey Federation, who has spent millions and millions of dollars over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We just had the 50th anniversary. Right. That's right. They really put that on the map, that buying in habitat improvement. And that helped the turkeys tremendously through the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. Well, what we've run into now is with no fur market and less trappers, there is just an inordinate amount of raccoons and nest raiders across this country. And it's not just raccoons. It's, it's all different animals. And it's not just turkeys. It's quail. It's pheasant. Look at what the governor in South Dakota, uh, Christy Nome, did a couple years or three. It's been going for three or four years now. She's got a program up there. Where in the spring, right before the, the brooding season of the pheasant, they have a program where they allocated, I think it's 750. I think the first year was maybe they gave them three cage traps and then they allocated, I think, $500,000 or whatever. And then $750,000 and $750,000 given $5 a tail. And they have to cut the program off because the, everybody's going out and they're getting so many, but that's taken some of that pressure off of those, you know, pheasants. And it's right. not just the turkeys. It's all ground nesting birds. And that's what I try to tell, and I'm sure all of you use different analogies or whatever we yeah. have our own thing. When I'm talking to a bird watcher or whatever, well, you're a trapper, would you like watching birds? Do you hate birds? I ask them if they hate birds. That's right. what I ask them. Would you hate <laughs> birds? Well, what do you mean? I love birds. I got birds here. So I go, well, I'm actually helping you in outside of your backyard in nature to allow more birds to have success now am i doing this for birds i'm never going to be a hypocrite and tell somebody i'm yeah. doing this because i love birds no i am a trapper i love being a trapper but what we're doing we're getting a value from a renewable resource and we're also helping other species in that process that's right that's right and most bird lovers so a lot of songbirds are killed by feral cats or even your your normal cats around the house that like to play but at the same time, we don't want to deal with the feral cat, but we want to see the birds and like like 80 million birds die a year because of feral cats. So, but, you know, the, I understand to an extent of what they think, but, you know, we, we're going to do what we do and come with some logic and try well, to help science. the best with don't, Yeah, Don't leave that out. It is logic, obviously, but yeah. the science of the whole yeah. thing. And, I, and I'm a science guy and I'm a truth guy. Look at the science. If the science told me, personally, if the science told me that trapping was being detrimental to the health of the overall population of various species, I would not trap. Right. I'm not out there, and I know a lot well, of them trap. No, yeah. it's not about that. It's about what we're doing to, I'm a traditionalist too. I, I, I would have loved to be in the mountain man era. Track right. the West with Lewis and Clark. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to be going up the Mizzou or whatever river chasing beaver. I mean, it's it's just with what they had. With, well, I don't know with what <laughs> we had modern days. I would definitely was honored with what they had. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm gonna be a little behind. I got the gout or you know, like you know, whatever they were coming down with. And you know, it just we if you read a lot of the turmoil and, and stress that they went through it's amazing they got as far as they did quite honestly right. not only fighting you know the natives or um fighting the weather fighting the grizz you know, yeah. it's just those were true just essence of of a mountain man and, and right. you look at that and that spirit revives in my brain and every time i put a trap in the ground uh I just say I have that feeling. I've had it since I was seven years old, and that's why I do what I do. It's a really yeah, good I, feeling. It is? Yeah. 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 I love it. I mean, I love traveling. Like I said, my buddy J.P. Moon helped me uh, learn how to trap, and it was, it was just 
I knew nothing about it. So what he learned, and he was doing it on my place, and I got to watch him, and it was just like, like I, I made the comment, it's like, trapping is like having Christmas every day because you don't ever know what you're going to get or how many you're going to get of something. But at the end of the day, if you're trapping the predators and whatnot off the property, you know you're helping the ones, you're helping the prey. And so those deer that get eaten by bobcats are, are run down by coyotes. Uh, the foams during during the, the, the time that the, the does are having foams, uh, you know, you're giving that much more of a chance for the deer to live. And, uh, and it, it just, it's just, I hate that a lot of people can't understand it, but, you know, it's just that feeling, like I said, just putting that, that trap in the ground, is just a feeling of you, you are doing something to help. And it's not about the money, because I guarantee you, I say I guarantee you, I think a lot of things, but if you put a price that you used to have on the fur market back then, $40 for a coon hat or whatnot, if you put that price back out there, there's a lot of people that don't believe in trapping will be trying yeah, to get that money. They'd be trying to get, and it's the same way with hogs. I mean, the state, they won't give a bounty, but they'll give money for people to get half price tramp. They'll put accolade money to tramp to make you work. But if they would give a bounty, there'd be a lot more people that say, it's, it's, it would be cheap. Like in Choctaw County in Mississippi, it's like $10 a tail. Well, unless you're catching like me at 20 at a time to get the $200, it's not much money. But if you did $100 a pig, there's a lot of people finna kill some pig. And I think a lot of people that don't believe in the things that we do, they would do it for the money. Where we do it for the, we know what we're doing in our heart and what we're doing for conservation in general. There, there, you, you just hit on something. Nothing. I don't get offended. I am the most unoffendable person on earth. But I do get annoyed. That's the word I'll use when I even talk to a trapper that I know traps. And I'm like, hey, you sent some traps this year? Nah, they're not worth anything. And that is, that just goes through me like nails on a chalkboard. Like, like, I'm out there spending more money now and, and, and losing more money now than I've ever lost as a trapper. I'm, I'm out there doing this because I love it. And, and that's what I want everybody to experience that. And you just touching on what you said, the $40 raccoon, whatever. Think of this. I'm a little older than you, but I was with my dad when he was selling his fur in the late 70s and early 80s when I was 9, 10 years old. And he was getting $70 for a red fox, $50 for a raccoon, $50 for a blanket beaver. If you allocate that to today's inflationary, whatever you need to do, that is $250 to $300 a rent. Right. You imagine the onslaught that would be going on after red fox if they were running at $250 to $300. You know who would be making all the money? <laughs> Because <laughs> they be buying traps like crazy. I think I saw that in the show Deadwood. The guy, the guy that started the, sur- the supply store, he said, uh, you know, all the gold rushers, that's what that's the people that made all the money back in the day. It wasn't the people chasing the gold. It was yeah. the people selling the equipment to get that gold. They get the gold. That's right. Well, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that because I know that happened. I know that was part of the history of this country, but, uh, but you know, we we'd all love for everybody that participates in it to get a return on the on their on their their efforts. Uh, That's right. If they're out there trapping coons, we like to see everybody get a return on it. And, and it may not be a monetary return; it may be a, a return on, on on seeing a benefit to the deer and the turkey population. Or That's uh, right. I I I I gotta cut in here. I know you lost your mom this year. I know you lost your mom this year, and then I lost my father, who was, you know, my best friend and everything, and, and that's the thing. You just hit the nail on the head. Over the last four or five years, and not just the four or five years, but the last 40, 45 years, that's what I carry with me. I carry those memories from the trap line. I trapped every place. There try. I didn't get permission. Some people wouldn't give me permission this year. Um, that, you know, my dad has trapped there in 30 years and I'm asking a new landowner for permission because I wanted to go trap all the places where my memories were with right. Yeah, I wanted to do that this fall, but I did a lot of different places and I was driving in there making sets in the same locations he was catching critters. And, and that's the true value of trap. Right. It's yeah. it's not yeah it's nice to get that check at the end of the year when fur's up a little bit and you get your 
couple thousand bucks and you get a value back for all the effort that you put into it. But those memories that were flushing back every time I drove into this cornfield or every time I drove into this hay pasture, every time I drove up this dirt road, I can remember, you know, that fox that my dad thought was dead and there it goes running up the hill and he's chasing it up the hill trying to get it. And, and that beaver that, that my son was seven years old and I say, hey, you remember when Paul caught that? Yeah, I remember that. So that's the true value of trapping. It's no different than fishing. It's no different than honey. It's no different than you remembering when your son shot his first deer or, or all of those different things. That's the true value. And you hit the nail on it. That's right. Yep. Yep. We got to find, find a value in doing that. And it's, uh, it's special to all of us. Uh, like my grandfather, he, he grew up hunting, fishing and trapping. It was what they did to survive. Right. And, and I love trapping. I always tell people if I couldn't, if it come down to it, I could trap more meals than I could hunt more meals. And, you know, and I think that's, I mean, cause like I said, we will eat some of the stuff that we, that we catch, you know, and, and, uh, I, and I have clients all the time on beaver, you know, I mean, they, they lie. I've never tried it, but, oh, um, grass good. Bobcat, believe it or not, is good. Um, I've never had it, but people say mountain lion is good. Um, I know there's obviously a coon market in the South. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that when it comes to, if something did go wrong, you, you would be able to go out and trap yourself. You're right. There. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. I like to, there's a lot of people don't agree with it, but I love it. And I ain't never going back down from it. You know, I don't want to fight over it, you know, cause what I believe or what you believe. Um, uh, but I tell you a story one time and y'all may have some too that you can think of. I have to tell this, but when, uh, we used to catch coyotes, caught them down there behind the house and I'd have a, a line all the way down past the creek. We had a creek with a bridge on it. And for both ways, a half a mile, there was not a, when the water was up, there's not a place to cross. That's where all the coyotes crossed. Well, we had, uh, we had a neighbor, uh, pass away and a, uh, guy come in and bought the place and put up a little goat farm right there. And uh, he called me one day and, uh, he said, Hey man, uh, you see that coyote down there? I said, yeah. He said, you think you'd catch him before they get up here close? I was, so I set my traps closer to his goat farm, you know, fenced in. And one morning he was going deer hunt and he was walking down that road. You know, when you go deer hunting, you, you when you're going in, you don't really use a, a flashlight a whole lot going in. You kind of know you. It's just down the road. And uh, he said, man, I come around that corner. He said, there, that song gone stupid. <laughs> he said, I didn't know he was in a trap. He said, because I hadn't checked the line yet. He called me right at daylight. And he said, uh, I shot that coon. I mean, I shot that coyote with a 270. He, he said, when he stood up, he went with 10 feet. He said, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> he said, I didn't know he was in a trap. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's funny. Oh, anyway, and it wasn't a I don't know, probably what, two weeks later. And like I said, we were selling to the live market. So that cost me 50 to $75, but you know, whatever it's, you know, uh, we were saving the goats basically. And, uh, of course he had some of them, them, them great Pyrenees looking big dogs or whatever he has in there. But my brother was going hunt down there a couple of weeks later. And, uh, it was like this open road. So you, you kind of go by the moonlight and he walked, I'd have caught another one on down there. He walked up on it up in the camp circle that oh that <laughs> Mitch, that started him a little bit <laughs> he said man you ain't no girl holler down there <laughs> that was me <laughs> he did, ah. uh, but he walked up he said man you need to tell me when you got them traps set i said they always set <laughs> you just need to be looking but yeah but we, we used to catch a bunch of them down there and uh, i've never caught a black coyote me neither I actually, I know there was one where I was trapping this year and I was chasing him. I didn't have a lot of time. I had four, four nights on him and nothing came by, uh, cause I put game cameras up. I wanted to right. actually one possum. I was, yeah. And, possum would get anything. Uh, they, 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 good title. Them and Sims and. Yeah. They could always ask me. Yeah. They always ask me like, man, I'm trying to catch some cones or cows, but I catch possum like this. Try to catch a coon. It's where we're at i said it's 10 to 1 on on that i said you know god did put them here to clean up clean up you know i said but you got to get them out tables and then you can catch the coyote okay <laughs> but the possums will get in anything and and whatnot but uh anyway anything else y'all want to add you know to make sure that people understand like i said we're just having a good time out here in kansas and hope our flight goes back good hope 
Oh, Preston gets a good night of sleep, man. If, like I said, Preston ain't talking much over there. He's, he's living. He already said he'd see us around noon tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he said he wasn't getting up. He wasn't going to go with us in the morning. Which, I mean, that's okay. We, I want a good, clear-minded pilot, you know, other than Bill. You know, Bill did good today. Bill did good today. So, uh, But you can tef- definitely tell, not that you're flying. Not you're flying. I'm not saying this in flying. But, like, when it said autopilot off, it got a little jump. <laughs> I can feel the turbulence all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, we we hope you take we hope you take a nap uh, on the way back. We're gonna we're gonna really uh, get your attention. <laughs> so you know you get up there. My water bottle had crushed in up there with all that pressure, I guess. And uh, I, I didn't want to tell Bill. I said so. My booty hole was poking up like that thing right there, too, a couple times. Because <laughs> when you go to land, you can see, like, the whole time I can't see nothing but the sky, you know, looking up, basically, where I'm sitting. And then when you go to land, you can't see nothing but the ground. You know, I was like, you know, I ain't no pilot, but, man, we sure pointed down a little bit. Those <laughs> must come down, right? Yeah. Well, we landed like my buddy that was in Vietnam. Oh, uh, He worked at the city one time, and, and uh, when he was in Vietnam, his pilot got shot in the helicopter. And uh, he, he said, uh, I'd never flown a helicopter in my life. He said, but I landed it. It wasn't the greatest. He said, but I landed it. And, uh, you know, and he's back home, you know. So if anything happens, I got you. All right. No, I think you'll be all right. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. <laughs> Will be a nice day for you to go back. No, I'm glad you guys came up. That was the, that was the surprise. Uh, you know, it's uh, going to be a good night. Uh Temperatures are going to be about optimal. Yeah. So we'll uh, go out there tomorrow, and I'm sure we're going to have a few. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to have plenty. We've got plenty for us. We get, I've had trouble, though, the last. I just got in town. I mean, yeah. I was talking to Bill the other day. He's like, yeah, we're going to fly up. I said, dude, I'm just getting there Tuesday. I ain't going to have any traps in the crowd yet. <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, well, that person that said he's going to come Wednesday. And I said, all right. I said, I'll have some traps in the ground. So we went out yesterday and. Pounded in 54. Yeah. And you don't just go put 54. Yeah, they're not hard to set, whatever, but you got, yeah, you got, you got to get moving down the road. So we got them in. And then this morning we get up and we left the daylight. The ground ain't out. And, and the ground ain't soft. No. Brown legs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like trying to pound in the pavement. I bet three drivers yesterday. Right. It was a nightmare. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're going to have a good night. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fun to have you guys here. I was I even said it on the line today. You know, I just came from Illinois where I was over there on the Sour Farm where I've been a couple of years and go in there and take some of hers out of the equation. And, uh, you know, I'm usually out there by myself doing all this. I have some guys out there enjoying the the fruits of labor. That's right. Your, we got the fruit. You got the labor, baby. Yeah, I got all the way. You guys, <laughs> you guys were, you know. You guys are there. Yeah. It gives me a little experience. That's right. That's right. And it usually does when you got people with you. So it just kind of helps because it can get in that, get in your head. It's just repetitive. Put in a trap, yeah. put in a trap, put in a trap. And then when you get a little conversa- conversation going, exactly. it just kind of relieves that. Then we went there. We had one. Then we had one. Then we had a trip. Yeah. Um, then we had another one, another one, yeah. another one. So um, tomorrow I expect uh, we put in another, like I said, 60 some i haven't wrote that yeah six oh there's about 100 twice in yeah it'll be so good. we'll have some uh we'll have some critters tomorrow hopefully we'll be um on our way and once you guys leave at noon i'll be back out there but what i was gonna say is it's been really hard uh driving around because i knew i need to get these dog troops in and if you're gonna trap coyotes you really got you can't just be throwing in one set here or there you gotta put you got oh that's a good location that draw where they come out okay we're gonna put a double there we're gonna put a double over on that type spot they're gonna run over there okay we go you you got six eight sets in a location you don't just go pound in though right it's not like pounding the deep yeah and then put the bait in and you're gone it takes a little more effort and it's been really hard though with like i've seen like coyote sign and i've seen bobcat sign and i've seen more bobcat sign and then we're in another codwood draw and there's more bobcat sign and then there's coyotes right it was this and i'm like i want to say yeah those boys are going to get on that plane about noon tomorrow and i already said something to paul that one of the guides here at midwest whitetails i said uh yeah we're gonna go out such canine sets tomorrow afternoon. yeah <laughs> i believe it i definitely would so well all right guys was glad i'm glad y'all get on the 
Yelp Yelp podcast. I don't forget to go to the Yelp Yelp YouTube and and check out things there. This episode of, of watching Alan will will be on the YouTube as well as his uh, his channel. Which is go ahead and give yourself a plug so where you're at. Just, uh, North American Trapper. We run the TV show. Everything's North American Trapper. The YouTube's North American Trapper TV. The television show's North American Trapper, and the website's North American Trapper too. Um, for anybody out there, I will the the plug that I will give you um, is the YouTube channel uh, North American Trapper TV. We have a whole beginner series, and we show everything from just the simplistic view of how to get started equipment, boiling traps, trap prep, setting a dog proof, setting a 550, making a coyote set, making a raccoon set, all these different things. So we try and take it right down to uh, K through 6. Right. So if you want to learn that are just starting out, that's the information that we're trying to give. If somebody's been trapping for 50 years, I think they're going to enjoy what we do. But they're they're not going to watch it and get some secret. Because really, I will say that, there are no secrets in trapping. The two secrets are being on location where the animal is and right. two, how much hard work you want to put into it and how many traps you put in the ground. Yeah, because when you're not used to it, you go try to pound. When you pound the first day, second day, you're going to feel it. Or by, for sure, by the third day. Barter. God, and I've so just trapping for four days and I still felt yeah, of course. That, yeah, go check all that out. Took me because I'm I'm in my fifties now to where this is a young man's game. But yeah, well, it hurts me too when I even set my my hog trap. So y'all go check all that out if you're kind of interested in learning or whatnot or want to be educated. Watch some of it and you watch my stuff. But you you don't hardly probably ever get educated on on my channel. You just might get tickled or offended. It don't matter. But <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you can also go to dotrap dot um, and I think y'all still got them videos of me. Yeah, on, we do. We do. Back when I was a little bit thin. Yeah, I look. I look at those regularly, and I'm thinking, is that the same guy? I know. I was a little thin right there. Yeah, I was going. That was probably what eight, ten years ago. You did that, Clint. No, I wasn't that far. No, mm -mm. I didn't gain all this weight till uh, you got married. Till I got married. Yeah. Just got happy and just just be sad. I drink water now and gain weight. So. You know, it ain't no big thing. But y'all go check it out, and we appreciate everybody being on the show. Thank y'all for listening. Preston, we appreciate you looking at us so you wouldn't talk to us. But any which way, y'all know how it goes. Y'all have a good one. God bless. And as always, Jesus loves you. <laughs>